Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Our text on this first Sunday after Christmas comes from Matthew's Gospel. I'll begin reading chapter 2, verse 1. Friends, hear the words of God. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is this one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where this Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country differently. Friends, the word of God. man lost his job and he was searching for another. But not having much luck, he was driving past the zoo. He thought, well, I'll check there. He went in and found the office building and the manager met with him and he said, I'm in need of a job. Do you have anything available? Manager said, no, I'm sorry. And the man turned to go. But when he got the door, the manager called out, wait, our gorilla died yesterday. Would you be willing to put on a gorilla outfit and act like a gorilla? Well, the man thought it was stupid, but he was desperate. So he said, sure, I'll give it a try. He puts on the gorilla outfit and enters the cage from the very back side through the cave, walks out, sits down, and starts watching the people. But after a few minutes, he decided that he would do some swinging on the ropes. And as he's swinging, the crowd gathering to watch got larger and larger. And so now he's playing to the crowd and showing off. But he swings too high, loses his grip, and lands in the lion cage right next door. Within just a few seconds, the male lion's over the top of him, straddling him, looking as if he's about to enjoy a snack. 
The man starts beating out of his chest. He knows he has to scream out for help. So he draws a deep breath, and just then the lion puts his paw in the man's mouth and said, shut up or we'll both lose our jobs. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to get at the truth, isn't it? Sometimes things are not as they appear. In this election cycle, we've read the news on social media and the newspaper. We've listened to it on TV, and we're scrambling to put together what and where the real truth is. It's not that easy to find today. Sometimes it requires a great search. Today we look at the wise men. They're searching for the truth. They go on this extensive, expensive journey looking for the truth. Now Matthew in his text calls these men the magi. They're really kind of a combination of astrologer, astronomer, scientist, and philosopher. Roll that all together. They were educated. They were wealthy. And they were seeking the truth. Now we know they bring three gifts, but we don't know how many wise men there really were. There may have been three. There may have been ten. We just know that they come from the area near Persia, modern-day Iran. We know that because of the large desert, they would have had to journey northwest and then turn southwest and then back east, almost circling around that huge desert. We know the trip took several months, maybe up to four. It was possibly seven to eight hundred miles each way. An extensive journey to go on based on a star they saw in the sky. But because these men were used by God, they take this journey in search of the truth. We don't know much more about them, but we do know what they did. First of all, they sought out the truth. Secondly, they experienced the joy. Our text tells us that they come to Jerusalem, they inquire, where is this one born king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. And don't you know all the red flags went up in Jerusalem? You know, Jesus was born six miles from the epicenter of the religious world. And not one person in Jerusalem came to visit. Somehow it went over their heads. Somehow they missed it. They weren't searching for the truth. But these pagan men journey hundreds of miles, bringing gifts because they are searching for the truth. So our text tells us when they come to the house where the mother and father and baby were, they were overjoyed. Overjoyed. Maybe it's because the journey is so long and they finally arrived. Maybe they're excited as to what they're going to find. When they find the baby Jesus, they bow down and they worship him. Now they hadn't worshipped the star or the magnificent temple of Herod in Jerusalem. They hadn't worshipped the religious leaders who had climbed, clawed their way to the top. They didn't worship Mary or Joseph. But when they see the baby, they bow and worship him. Because they not only, number two, experienced the joy, number three, they recognized the gift. 
they recognize this baby as God himself. So they bow and they worship. That's the appropriate response in the presence of God. Fall prostrate and begin to worship. They do so. And we read they brought three very unique gifts. Three very expensive gifts. Gifts that would foreshadow Jesus in the kind of life and death he would have. But at the time, an outsider might say, that's a dumb gift to give a baby. The gold was a gift you give to a king. This was the son of a carpenter. And the chances of him ever becoming king were really, really small. The gold was a gift for the king, and so they give it to Jesus. We understand when we realize God's the one who chose the gifts. The second gift of frankincense came from the bark of a tree in Arabia. It was rare. It was expensive. It was burned in the temple at times of worship. The third gift, the myrrh, also came from a tree in Arabia, but this came from the sap. It was boiled down, and it formed kind of an embalming solution used for burial. A gift for a baby? Embalming solution? Expensive incense and gold. You see, God chose the gifts, and he was foreshadowing that this baby would become the king. This baby would be worthy of worship. This baby would die at a young age as the Savior for all who believe. Three gifts chosen by God, not only to foreshadow the life Jesus would live, but also to pay for the unplanned and expensive detour God was getting ready to send them on to Egypt. God provides through these pagans from a foreign country who were seeking the truth, who got to experience the joy, and with God's revelation, recognized God when they saw him. Even as an infant lying there with his mother. Three special gifts chosen by God. And then finally we learn that when they leave, they do so differently. Now I think there are two meanings to that word differently. I think the first is they're going to take a different route home. They've been warned. Don't go tell Herod anything. Go home and take a different route so nobody can find you. But I think it also means that having been in the presence of God himself, they were touched and changed. They were leaving different people on the inside. Because when we meet the living God face to face, he touches and changes our hearts and our lives. It's just true. It's been true down through the ages. It's still true today. There are examples in the Bible, I think, first of all, of Zacchaeus, tax collector, short, outsider, loyal to Rome, despised by his neighbors. Here's Jesus is coming. He climbs up in the tree. He just wants a glimpse. But Jesus has an agenda. He points him out, says, Zacchaeus, I'd like to spend a couple hours with you today. And after a couple hours in the presence of God, Zacchaeus is changed. 
We know because he announces, I'm going to give half of everything I own to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone, I will pay them four times over. That's a guy who's been changed. I think of Mary Magdalene. She was demon-possessed, a prostitute in her community, despised and cast out. But when she meets Jesus, he touches her, he delivers her, he heals her, he accepts her, and she's completely changed. You know, for the rest of Jesus' ministry, she traveled with Jesus and the Twelve. And you, you know why? She paid all the bills. She was wealthy. But because she had met Jesus and found the truth, she wants to invest in and support the ministry of our Lord. She's the one who pours the expensive perfume worth a year's wages on Jesus' feet. She wipes the perfume in the feet with her hair. And when the disciples complain, this is a waste of money. Jesus says, those who have been forgiven much, love much. And you see, she loved much because she had been forgiven much. She had been changed by the love and acceptance of our Lord. And then I think of the Roman centurion at the cross. He didn't know what he would face that day when he went to work. But his assignment was to drive the steel iron spikes into Jesus' wrist and his feet. But he watched how Jesus laid down compliantly upon that cross to give up his own life. He watched and listened to what Jesus said to those who were there. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He watched and listened as Jesus gave eternal life to a, another criminal hanging on a cross next to him. He heard the thunder, the lightning. He saw the darkness. And when Jesus died, after six hours with Jesus, he declares, surely this man was the Son of God. Six hours with Jesus. He was changed forever. God still changes lives today. When I was a senior in high school, one of my good friends was Larry Crane. Larry was the best pitcher in our school. His nickname was The Plumber because he threw the ball down the pipe and he threw it hard. And he had the chance and the ability to play at the next level. But toward the end of our senior year, he came to me one day and he said, can you come over to my house tomorrow at a certain time? I said, sure. But on the inside, I'm thinking something's up. Something's up. When I arrived the next day at my friend's house, two of my other good friends are there, Glenn and Jean. And Larry's out back, and he waves us to come out. We walk around back, and there he's got the Weber grill set up. He'd filled it with charcoal in advance, and it had been burning for quite a while because the embers were orange and hot. And he's standing there with his hands behind his back. And then he says to us, Sunday in church, I became a Christian. And as a result, I'm making some changes in my life. I'm changing some of my priorities, changing some of my values, and I'm going to serve the Lord from now on. And then he brought his hands out, and he put his ball glove on the grill, and he cooked it. I was shocked. 
I'll never forget the smell of that glove cooking on the Weber grill. Nor the symbolism of someone who had been in the presence of God and whose life had been touched and changed. God still does that. Down through the years, Larry and I have kept in touch. We're friends on Facebook. Would you believe he watches our live streaming on Wednesday and our services on Sunday? Larry, I'm looking into the camera, bud. I'm proud of you. Keep going. Finish the race. Keep the faith. That's what I would say to him. That's what I say to you. Keep going. Keep the faith. Finish the race. And remember, God still touches and changes lives today when we draw close to him. I've stood before you and told you that age 14, I got on my knees and I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my heart. And it's as if I got off the throne in my heart and gave that seat to him. But there are many times after that, I kept grabbing the steering wheel and saying, I got this. At age 20, God touched my heart again. And he said, I want you to serve me full time. Change values, directions, priorities. I'm calling you to serve me. And I'd said no for six years. And then finally at age 20, I said, okay. And I changed schools and I changed majors and I changed priorities and I changed directions. But it wasn't until I was 53 years old that I met God in a serious way once again. And it was after my divorce, after I've lost the job at the really big church, after I've gone from being somebody to nobody, and I'm living in an 8,000 square foot warehouse in the woods in Northeast Iowa. And I've got a big garden as big as this room. And I've got hillside filled with woods and trees and flowers. And I spent a lot of time with God during those two years. Spent a lot of time in my own head. A lot of time reading God's word. When you're at the bottom of the pit, we all decide which way we're gonna go, which way we're gonna look. What are we gonna reach out and hold on to? And during those two years, I reached out and held on to God. And I spent a lot of time in his word. And God healed my heart. God reminded me he wasn't finished with me. But I didn't believe it. Because for the next six years after that, I did a wide variety of blue-collar jobs. Didn't have any dream of being able to be in ministry ever again. And then Pastor Kurt, through our past history, invited me to come and do pulpit supply here the first two Sundays of September 2019. And I was so scared. It had been six years. My brain was much older. And I didn't know if I could do it. But it was such a blessing. You were supportive. You were encouraging. You were accepting. And I'm a much better person now. And I'm so thankful for the two years I spent in the warehouse in Iowa. I don't want to do it again. But it was really important at the time. Because I'm not the same person I was before then. God wanted to shave off some of the edges. Soften up my heart. He allowed me to get really poor so that I could care about people who were also poor. He allowed me to hurt for a long time so that I could identify with others who are hurting. Because life's hard. And all of us are there sometime or other. And when life's hard, we need God. 
and we need the church family. And we need to remember whose we are and why we're here. Because it's so, so easy to forget. The wise men sought out the truth. As a result, they experienced the joy. They recognized the gift. And they were forever changed. It's the same journey God wants us to take with him. Seek out the truth. Enjoy the joy that comes from God's touch and being with him. And recognize that Jesus who came at Easter is God. That's why we're here. We've separated all of history into B.C. and A.D. based on the birth of one baby boy. The reason? He really was God's son. And he still touches and changes lives. Friends, the Bible tells us that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but so the world through him might be saved. And for all who receive him and believe on his name, he gives the right to become children of the living God. That is the good news of Christmas this year. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you that you came down so that we might have the chance to go up. We thank you that you accept us unconditionally. You love us despite ourselves. You give us mercy instead of justice. You give us grace so that we might have hope. Father, we've all been touched by your presence. May you continue to change us and to draw us toward the likeness of your son Jesus, whose birth we remember this season. Receive now our response of worship and thanksgiving. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.